Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Shime on weei.com. Finally, the final pre-draft podcast is here. The 2022 NFL Draft live from Las Vegas is I guess now hours away. We are not quite as we record this under 24 hours, but we are coming down the home stretch. We are to that point where mock drafts are flying fast and furious. Everybody's putting out either their one and only version or their final version heading into the draft. We actually have continued excitement, in my opinion. I wrote a column for WEI.com today. I think we need to embrace the uncertainty. Screw how many quarterbacks there are. Screw how many blue chippers, quote unquote, there are. Embrace the uns like we love in uncertainty and entertainment, Chris Shot. Yep. I mean a hundred percent by the way. And yet it's like everybody's bitching that oh it's there's uncertainty. The Jaguars have four guys, they might take number that's freaking awesome. Like I think I think this is best case scenario. Like this is what makes the draft fun is the unpredictability, the chaos. Yes. I want chaos in everything, whether it's playoffs or the draft or any of my enjoyed sports. I want chaos because chaos is unpredictable and it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you guessing. And that's half the fun sometimes. And that's why I don't really understand the backlash. Like, first of all, last year was loaded with quarterbacks. And guess what? All but one of them kind of sucked for their rookie year. Like, and you have questions weren't great where they're going. And even the one who was good was kind of boring good. So Mm -hmm. you were all giddy that, ooh, five quarterbacks went in the top 15. (laughs) Great. What did it lead to? And there's going to be busts in every draft. There's going to be elite players like i guarantee this draft is going to have all pros probably a hall of famer or two mixed in here. maybe one don't know who they are you know like we have ideas we have your guess is as good as mine exactly but for some reason the uncertainty is labeled like fitzy wrote a column it's like the draft is meh and i'm like wrestling think of wrestling when you watch like a wrestling pay-per-view and you're like not sure who is going to be the surprise. That's guy. when it's the it's best. It's awesome. Or yes. a book, a movie. Like if you're halfway through a book and you figure it out and then it actually plays out the way you thought it was, you're like, well, that was a waste Boring. of time. Right? Yep. That's the beauty of the draft is nobody ever gets this perfect. Like Mel Kuyper, who has been doing this longer than anybody on the planet, generally only nails like eight or nine exact players to exact teams. Right. 
like that's the beauty of the draft and, and to think this year is going to be the most difficult year of any to kind of predict where people go like that to me is what makes this awesome okay so and i just want to throw out we're not the only ones that feel this way we uh interviewed jim nagy the executive director of the senior bowl yesterday on merloni and fourier and he said yeah like this should be fun and interesting yeah. he knows the i believe he used the word volatility in the top 10 and the unexpected you know, quarterbacks of where they could go. Are they worth it? Who's going to reach first? Who's not going to? So let's go there. We wanted to wind down our prospect previews by looking at quarterbacks that some people hate, some people think have upside, some people think a guy could go as high as two, maybe one in the top 10, maybe one crazy. in the top 15. Like, it's all over the place. So first of all, who's the number one quarterback prospect? My answer is different than your answer, well, and it's answer? different than every. My answer is Desmond Ritter. Okay, I I don't totally disagree. We st when we started these um, podcasts, we were using a lot of the NFL.com grades to compare yep. guys, and they are all bunched up. I don't have it on my screen right now, but for quarterback, it was six point four, six point four one, six point four two. They're all over the place, and also there's some degree of. What are you looking for? Beauties in the eye of the beholder. Are you looking for upside? Are you looking for experience? Are you looking for athleticism? Are you looking for a runner or not a runner? Like we talk about ceiling all the time, right? And so, like, if you're looking for a ceiling pick, your pick might be Malik Willis. 100%. Like, because from a tools perspective, the guy has everything. Yep. He flies like Lamar Jackson, but he he looks like he's the size almost of Josh Allen, at least weight wise, not quite as tall. But he and and he has a cannon for an arm, but he kind of lacks accuracy. Yep. He makes some dumb decisions. So there's a lot that needs to grow for him to be good. But again, teams see Josh Allen and they're like. Well, if Josh Allen can do it, we can do it with another guy. And so if you're going for that ceiling, Malik Willis might be the play. If you need a day one starter out the gate, Malik Willis is not your guy. And then you're pivoting and you're looking at Desmond Ritter, who across almost every team in the NFL has a first round grade. Mm -hmm. But how high you want to take him in the first round is, again, a big question. Like, if you're the Panthers at six, is he really worth it? If if you're the Lions at two, is he worth it? Or is he not worth it until you get to the Steelers at 20? And, and so, and then there's Kenny Pickett, who had a great season, but is also technically kind of old, like as a, as a quarterback prospect. I mean, he's like the same age as Joe Burrow, and he didn't break out until his senior year. So there's some questions there. And then you have Sam Howell and, and Matt Corral. And, and so it's just the quarterback landscape this year is not nearly as titillating as last year but still there's potential so you brought up josh allen and i think that's important yep. because josh allen is the is the model the best case scenario you take a raw athlete with upside yes. tools josh allen is what you want him to become now the san francisco 49ers may be learning a lesson that trey lance may be the opposite end of the spectrum where you take a guy with raw tools to develop. Well, if he doesn't develop, you just took a guy who's not that good. <laughs> yeah, that could be the reality of Trey Lance. So I think to some degree, Willis faces that. I will say you watch him play. I don't know if it's the number seven. He almost, to me, and he's not as fast, but I think Mike Vick right-handed because he's yep. a strong arm and he can run around and make things happen. But I also wonder like, the old Otis Smith joke is that he was uh, he was a, a playmaker for both teams. He would give up plays and make plays. Yes. Pick it off, but give up a touchdown. 
I almost feel like Malik Willis is the Otis Smith of quarterbacks. He's going to make you some plays, but you're going to be scratching your head after other plays and like, why did we just take a 15-yard sack? Why are we running backwards? Why, why are we chicken with our head cut off kind of thing? The other thing people need to realize when you're talking about Malik Willis is this is a guy who only threw 340 passes in his senior year of college. That's at the Trey Lance thing. Right? He threw 340, but then ran it 200 times. Yep. Like, he only ran it 150 times less. That's unbelievable. Like, that, that is almost a dead even split. So, for a lot of these teams who want to run this kind of weird optioning offense with the ability to explode deep passes, like, Malik Willis might fit that. But, again, you have to work with the issues that, are, that he also brings as well. So, before we continue with the individuals, I'm going to step back for a second and ask you a question, sort of a two-part question. A, okay. Will any of these quarterbacks ever be top 10 quarterbacks? Yes, barely. Okay. I would argue no. I'm not in love I, with I you. think a lot I think most people would. I have a little bit more confidence in my guy than other people do, but and that's always gonna happen when you're talking quarterbacks. And the second question I would ask, if you were drafting a quarterback, and we have teams like Carolina, Pittsburgh that are looking for quarterbacks. Where do I take them? Do I trade up? Do I trade down? You know, Carolina, oh, he's not worth six, but can I trade down and take a quarterback in the 20s and maybe feel good about whatever? Are you drafting upside or downside? Like, are you drafting Malik Willis and saying, he's the only one who can be a top 10 quarterback? I could fail miserably like Trey Lance, but I can hit the Josh Allen home run. Or do you take the Desmond Ritter? He can play. I know he can play. He's been playing for four years. He's he's a good player. Worst case scenario, he's a bottom 10 quarterback, but he's a bottom 10 starter. Yeah, so I take Desmond Ritter because in my head, like I look at Desmond Ritter and I think worst case scenario, this kid can be Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton was a 10-year starter for the Cincinnati Bengals, made the playoffs a couple times. <laughs> and for some people, he was a top 10 quarterback at one time. Yeah, no. So – I, I don't trust me. I don't understand those people, but Are those like, people I blind? think dumb. Hey, you know, talk to Kevin Clark of the ringer. All right. He had, he put Andy Dalton over Aaron Rodgers one time that did happen. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, but regardless, I think Devin Ritter can at least get to there, if not get above that. And so I think in my head, I am 100 times out of a hundred. If I'm drafting a quarterback, if I have, if I am, sold myself that I'm going to take a quarterback. I am going Desmond Ritter in the first round. So I kind of agree with you. If you forced me to take, I, I would probably avoid the quarterbacks. I don't love the class. I, okay. If you forced me to take one, I think Ritter would be my first choice. I actually think Sam Howell would be my second choice. If you really absolutely forced me to take a quarterback. Um, okay. Cause I think the others are going to potentially fail spectacularly. Uh, Matt Ca Coral Corral. Um, the thing I like most about him is his jersey. I think his two number two light blue jersey might be the best jersey in college football. Have I told you the Matt Corral story? What do you got for Matt Corral? You got a story. So yeah, so this is this has been sourced. I will say I will say it allegedly, but I believe it it's been sourced. Matt Corral is from California. Okay. He went to the same high school as um, a man by the name of Tristan Gretzky who happens to be the son of Wayne Gretzky. Okay. And they, at one point, got in a fight because Matt Corral hates stuck-up rich kids. And rumor has it that Tristan Gretzky was, in fact, a stuck-up rich kid. 
And so they got a fight, and Wayne Gretzky then tried to ruin Matt Corral's life, and Matt Corral then transferred to another school. Interesting, because there are Matt That's Corral, a legend. Um, like maturity questions, like off the field. Yep. Not that he's not a good teammate, or not that he's not dedicated to football, because in that area, he's actually well thought of. It's yeah. more that stuff, maturity, getting into trouble. Does he like to drink? Does he like to be a college student, basically? Um, yep. And he, what scares me about him is I don't, so I have him at 6'2", 212. I think he thinks he's 6'5", 250. He thinks he's Josh Allen when in fact he's not. He sees like two linebackers and he goes, yeah, I'm going to run through them. That's the best plan <laughs> of attack here is I'm going to run through them. Exactly. I don't think it's sustainable. He also is a little bit of a whack job athlete at times and a creator. Oh, yeah. and he has all of that to him, which is fun. When it's working, it's fun. But when it's not, it gets you fired in the National Football League. <laughs> so that would be my fear of him. Pickett, I think, is just – he's a jag. Like, he'll probably be a Brian Hoyer 10-year NFL player. But – Chase Daniel. Yeah, like, what is he? He he's, I just – I don't see it with Kenny either. Pickett. And, and for a long time, he was, like, the number one quarterback. And I'm like, no, this is – I don't – he makes bad decisions. He's yes. not even that accurate. No. He, which is something people say he is, but he's not. He can't throw a deep ball. Like, I just, I'm I'm out on Pickett. I am too. And not even, I do think the hand thing is legitimate. Like, the, he, mm -hmm. he wears two gloves. We made yeah. fun of Teddy Bridgewater for that. He fumbled I think that matters. 40 times or whatever in his career. He puts the ball, it, You the ball is big. It is hard. I don't know where I'm going here, but um, you need to work it to get it Keep the it way clean. you want it. Yes. Uh, I just, if if he were like, great, I might overlook the small hands, but that's just another reason why I have questions about him. Like if he had put up Joe Burrow-esque numbers in college, it's like, yep. okay, maybe I can overlook this. Because again, no Joe Burrow, another guy who had smaller hands. Doesn't look it's like, like that. Yeah, exactly. But in this case, special I just, versus I don't... not special. That's that's how I would Bingo. differentiate. Yep. But the Jordan, yeah, so in my... he gets away with it because he's special. You try to do the same thing. I bet your ass. So ultimately, in my opinion, I think only two quarterbacks in this class deserve to go first round uh, at all. And that would be Ritter and Willis. And for opposite reasons, as we talked about, one is more. Yep experience or one is more ceiling yeah floor and ceiling guys okay so let's get to sam howell who is okay. next in line a couple years ago was a buzz guy maybe two yep. years ago had a great freshman year then he kind of tailed off um size is an issue he's only six one i just first of all i went back and look he has been good every year of the last seven he put up stupid high school numbers as a freshman, I think he threw like 40 touchdown passes as a freshman starting quarterback and did uh, it 38, 38, yep. right on the pretty close. Like, I'm sorry. I value that like long-term year after year when you're just good, multiple levels, you go to Carolina, that whole thing. And I know there was some ebbs and flows and he lost his two running backs and the experience around him. Maybe this year wasn't what he wanted it to be, but he looks to me. I don't like this is going to sound like a negative, but it would have been a positive at one point. Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield. Yes. So I've heard that. I've actually heard that a lot from a lot of people. So, but now that's a negative. But yeah, Baker but like, Mayfield but like number one in the draft. Yes. And he was good his rookie year. And if you got He's Baker just... Mayfield in the, I don't know where Howell's going to go, let's say third round, 
You wouldn't now, be pitching. I th- second round. I, to be honest, I think there's a chance Howell goes 32nd. Oh. Like, I think just because just because of how much teams value the fifth-year uh, option on a rookie quarterback because it's cheap money, yeah. I, I think if there's a chance somebody trades up into the top 32 – uh, or even the Detroit Lions take a shot on him at 32. Like, I think all of those things are at play. Interesting. So, yeah, I kind of like Howell in this year within yep. the yes. the parameters of this draft class. Like, if Howell was in last year's draft class, he would have been a day three Kyle yeah. Trask-esque right. nobody jag. But he it isn't. It's compared to this class. Exactly. When I look at him, I just don't see the, the huge divide between, say, him and Kenny Pickett, who could go Agreed. closer to the first, top of the first round. Another guy, <clears throat> as we move our way down this less than illustrious list, uh, this is where the old school Andy comes in, uh, mm-hmm. Carson Strong. And yeah, I mean, he's a pocket passer. He's got a good arm. He's got a bad knee. The comps that I've read for him were Drew Bledsoe. Hey, I liked Drew Bledsoe. And quote, an aging Philip Rivers. He moves like an aging Philip Rivers, which not good. So doesn't this. It, it, uh, Carson Strong just screams Davis Mills all over again to me, right? Yep. Like, this is just Davis Mills 2.0. Mills is good, good quarterback, knows he can throw the football, he can really sling it. I mean, he completed 70% of his passes two years in a row. He threw for over 4,000 yards this year. So you're picking up and putting down. Yeah, like he is, he's the guy that you take. He's the in the Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr mold where it's like, second round, I need a quarterback, or you're Tennessee Titans and you need a guy who might push Ryan Tannehill or even push Tannehill out the door, Carson Strong may be the guy. Right. And but yet people are telling me it's low risk. Pickett could go six, but Carson Strong's gonna go in the second or third round. I would I would much rather take a guy I know will succeed at my at the NFL level at six and then take Carson Strong in the second round. Thank you. See? Yeah, absolutely. This is it's maybe the most reasonable agreements we've had is in this quarterback position. See, I think people don't quite understand the risk versus reward in the NFL sometimes like they just like they don't you want to take known commodities 99% of the time like yes you in the in the first round sometimes you want to take a swing on a guy like Malik Willis because the ceiling potential is there but the issue is, is you can't get caught up in the word potential all the time right like sometimes you need to take the known commodity 10-year starter and then take a shot at, a, at the quarterback position in the second round and if you swing and a miss you try again next year well and that's what i would look at i don't want to swing and miss try again next year in the top half of the first round but if it's exactly. second okay it's not great i'd much rather belichick misses in the second round every friggin' year at this point well it's a bit of an exaggeration not every year Okay, Christian outside Barmore, of Christian Barmore. Kyle Duggar, two in a row. Oh, I guess Duggar was his, a second-round pick. Okay, two fair. But for a long period of time, Belichick struggled to find anything in the second round. Correct. Some of that may be the style they used, and that's where I think some yep. drafting has changed. I think he used to do what you're talking about. First round, you take a player you think has a 98% chance he can play. You known know commodity. Is, known commodity. Second round. It's a guy that has some boxes that you would check off as first round, but for some reason you can't check them all off. Whether it's there's injuries, there's there's enough red flags right. to push him out of competition the level, um, consistency, whatever it may be, pushes him to the second. So there's more risk there in making that pick. I feel like teams do that. I don't know in the top fifteen picks now, where teams are like, yeah, yeah, I'll it's just crazy swing for me. the fences, even though. Half the time when you swing for the fences, you swing and miss and strike it. But that's why bad teams stay bad teams. Probably. Okay, any other quarterbacks you want to touch on, comment on? 
nope. Those I think those are the the main ones. I don't think any of the other ones that are going to get drafted have are going to have much of any <laughs> impact. I mean, you know, I guess there's always the minuscule possibility that there's a new Tom Brady in this class that gets taken in the sixth round. Sure, I don't see it. Go with that. So I'm not even going to worry yeah, about. Yeah, no. That. Uh, and the one thing I did I did not know that I knew Malik Willis had transferred. I didn't know that he was Jarrett Stidham's backup at Auburn. Yes, at Auburn. So yep. that was just <coughs> a minor thing that stuck out to me as I cough and hack and give a preview to the fans who will be listening to WEEI on Thursday night's draft coverage from 7 to midnight when I'll be hacking up along with Mike Mutt-Nansky. Okay. Well, if you need if you need any uh, if you need to take a break at all, you give me a call. I will no longer be in Rhode Island, so I am available whenever you need me. Perfect. We may take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's transition to the Patriots and your mock draft from this morning. What do you got? Yes. Uh, so at, at number 21, I, so I did my mock draft, no <laughs> trades. I, somebody actually tweeted at me just a couple hours ago asking if I thought there would be a lot of trades <laughs> because they noticed that I didn't put any in my mock draft. And I did that for a specific reason. I think that the trades are going to be so unpredictable tonight that I wasn't even going to attempt to predict where they would go. I wasn't, do I, cause I think, in my mind, and I put this in my mock draft, I think Carolina trades out of number six. But at the, at, the, at this moment, I don't know that anybody wants to trade up to number six to pay what it costs to get there. Bill Belichick. So, I hope so. James but, Williams. That'd be nice. But with the 21st overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, according to Shime, the New England Patriots select Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. I'm not coughing because I hate the pick. I'm coughing because I'm dying. Uh, yep. I don't hate the pick. I actually like the pick. We've talked a lot about him as a Patriot-style linebacker, but also one that can do a lot, has shown the ability to produce. It's funny. I just did a mock draft in Jacksonville, media mock, and they said, (coughs) why Devin Lloyd over maybe a a riser like Quay Walker, the kid out of Georgia? So somebody has asked me that as well. And to me, I mean – Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd are very similar, but I just think Devin Lloyd is more polished, right? Like I think athletically they're about the same size. Again, they're about the same, but I think Devin Lloyd, you and I mentioned this in our linebackers podcast just the other day has more of a pass rushing potential. Whereas I don't think you get that as much with Quay Walker and Walker. I'm sorry. He was whatever the fifth best player on his defense, sixth best he was, player. He, and he's inexperienced. He's only been like a, what, a one-year starter? So, Whereas Devin Lloyd has done it for, what, three? This so, kind of gets back to what we were just talking about. Devin Lloyd, known commodity. Is he too slow? I don't know. It, like, are you going to find out something doesn't – but you know he could play at the college level. The games he played, he was dominant and versatile. And I know that if I draft him as the New England Patriots – he can play alongside Juwan Bentley. If Juwan Bentley's going to start on my defense, it's so can Devin Lloyd. Yeah. And that's kind of where I stand. And he's got the high tower thing we talked about the other day. Yes. Like he definitely yep. feels like not even the you next generation, like just a younger high tower to some degree. Agreed. I, I'm totally with you on that. Okay. So I, I like where you went there, and that has actually become kind of a pretty common theme this morning, this 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 day before the draft, mock drafts, media. I believe Mike Reese. Yeah, I was just about to say, Mike Reese last night for the NFL Nation's mock draft, yep. I believe, took um, took Devin Lloyd with Traylon Burks still on the board. And that has also become common. Traylon Burks, who I remember when the, the talk of Burks first started, the wide receiver out of Arkansas, who's bigger, ran a slow combine 40 of 4, 5, 6, 4, 6, somewhere in there. Um a lot of people thought no chance. Like he was going to be one of the top receivers in this draft, top 15 pick. 
Now it seems like he's going to be on the board. I don't, I know some fans have the fear that he's a bigger, slower receiver. Oh my God, Nikhil Harry. No, he's not. Totally different player. He's actually more of a, I don't know, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. They move him all around at Arkansas. He was in the backfield on the edges, wildcat quarterback, all kinds. Here's the thing. The people you might be people might be thinking that Traylon Burks is going to last into the mid to late twenties. I was doing my mock draft and I've edit, I edited a few times, and not once in any of the edits did I have any good receivers left at twenty one when the Patriots get to them. When it gets to the Patriots, I just I I think wide receiver, edge, and offensive tackle are going to vastly populate the first twenty picks. Um, it, to the point where I think some teams are going to be overreaching at those positions because some of them are going to go so early. And, and so I, I have seven receivers going in the first round. Seven. Who do you have first? I think the over uh, – the first I had uh, Garrett Wilson going eight to Atlanta. Happens. I've uh, I've seen that. I've seen sometimes <clears throat> – excuse me, sometimes Jamison Williams is now the number one receiver – on some boards, yeah, he would be my number one. If I were a team taking a wide receiver, I would not pass on Jamison Williams. I don't care where it is. You talked about the chaos that could happen with the number one overall pick, and I think that'll kind of impact uh, where Jamison Williams goes because – so when I, I – when it, with with me, I have Jamison Williams just going shortly after eight. I have him going ten to the Jets. Yep. And But I also think that it's very realistic. The Jets don't want to wait to ten because there's a chance Atlanta takes him, and they take him right at four. Yep. Because they know that they can get either a corner or an offensive tackle at 10 that they'd like. Or a pass rusher. All three of those options, they know they can get at 10. And so maybe they'll go Jamison Williams at four as well. I think that's extremely possible. I got to tell you, and I know no one would ever do this, I don't think. But in the way we've seen impact receivers come into the NFL in recent years, the value of the position in terms of contract and caps and trades, I would consider... Jamison Williams, number one overall. I would cons- if I were Jacksonville and I were marrying him up with Trevor Lawrence. Two Trevor Lawrence. I- I'm maybe it's dumb. I have a left tackle. I took a running back last year. I have a good receiver, but not like I'm adding what I think is truly elite receiver. So I would normal in a normal scenario, I would agree with you. But I think the issue, the big issue there is Jacksonville just gave a massive contract to a wide receiver, dumb. which we which is a dumb contract. But they literally just gave it to him. He hasn't even played on it yet. So I think the Jacksonville front office, Trent Baalke in particular, will probably lean towards building up some other part of the team. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to do it. And, you know, a lot of it. But I think it's a debate, right, for a normal team. I I think that can actually be discussed. And especially this year, because there is no clear-cut number one pick. I know they had mentioned they were down to their final four. They were picking Well, I don't even think it's just this year. I just think in general now, you look at what Jamar Chase added to a Cincinnati Bengals team. Yep. If you hit on a truly elite wide receiver, or Justin Jefferson, another example, yep. on a truly Jaylen elite Moore. wide receiver, on a rookie contract, like you are set for four or five years. Right, and and I even go past that. I even go six because I include a franchise year where I have control. Yeah. Not, before I really have to decide what the F I'm doing with a big contract. So, and I know people get mad and they want to be traded and that's part of that whole too. Yeah, whatever. This off season, but I just think he's special. Um, Jim Nagy actually, when in that interview I was talking about earlier, compared him, Didn't to, he compare him to Randy Moss Yeah, in terms of getting off the line of yeah. scrimmage. Um, that's crazy. That, like, that's high praise. Like one step he's up to speed kind of playmaker. Um, mm-hmm. And now Moss is an interesting example because he did slip to 21. And you mentioned yep. Jefferson who went 22 
but it's a different game. It's a different year. Receivers are starting to be like quarterbacks where they're overvalued and people are going to get them yes, earlier. Very much so. so. But at the same time, I think they're getting overvalued, but I think there's also a lot more available. You've seen in oh, the last yeah. few years, the amount that are found in, in the second, third. I mean, even Hunter Renfro is not by any means a, like an electric receiver, but he was a thousand yard receiver and you found him in the fourth round. Amon Ross St. Brown last year. Yep. Again, another fourth round guy who had an awesome year. So I, I just think receiver talent is like falling from the sky and hitting on a good rookie receiver is paramount. And where did you have Drake London going in your mock draft? Uh, Drake London, I had going uh, 14th to the Baltimore Ravens, which is actually kind of, I, I think, an uncommon selection just because I think a lot of people expect the Ravens to go defense. I don't. I think the Ravens defense is actually pretty set. Uh, they were just really injured last year. I think that was the big issue that they suffered is they were just banged up all over the place. And so right. the defense was never together on the field. And so if I'm Baltimore, I want to strike on that rookie stud receiver contract so that when I go to pay uh, Lamar Jackson a crap ton of money, I also still have an elite receiver who I'm paying pennies. The only pushback I would give to that fit is I think a guy like Jamison Williams would actually be better there. A I, I agree, but I do yeah. go deep kind of guy. Whereas London, I actually think Drake London would be a great pick for the Patriots because of Matt Jones' accuracy and sort of yep. take, because he's a guy that <clears throat> plays wide receiver with his basketball background, uses his body, like high points, great hands. It's very, in my opinion, it's very like Mike Evans-esque, yep. right? It's very, in that regard, I don't think he's as big and strong as Mike Evans, but it's very, very much in that mold. Even like a Mike Williams out in LA, if you want to kind of go for a little bit of a lesser uh, comp, I, I think that's another good comparison there. And so I, I went, I, I felt like if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I have a deeper guy in Hollywood Brown, I think can be that guy. Um, I do, I think he's elite, maybe not, but I've used a first round pick on him and I think he's pretty good. And then adding a guy like Drake London, I think would just have been, would just be a great compliment. Okay. So I feel like through these, by the way, I found the mute button. I didn't know there was a mute button on here. I should have learned that about 10 minutes ago before I thought, <laughs> um, the, the drum I've been banging for trading up. And yep. I feel like I'm kind of going streaking alone in this case where there's not a lot of other people that are in the whole trade up bandwagon. Most people want to trade down and get more picks because the depth no. of the draft Yuck. is in the second, Stop. third, and fourth rounds. And that may be true. And I do agree, Patriots need players at a variety of positions. But to me, what the Patriots need more than almost anything else, playmakers, elite They players. need top-end talent. Exactly. So, and I'm seeing mock drafts, by the way, which we all know mock drafts are kind of useless yeah, But they're also the foundation of pre-draft talk, so bear with us. Agreed. I've seen mock drafts where Jameson Williams or even London is on the board in the mid-teens, 15, yes. 16, in that area. Yep. Bill Belichick sits at 21. A, do you think he would? B, would you make that deal? Uh, I definitely would. I, if it was for – if it – in particular, Drake London or Jamison Williams, I am making the deal to get up into the teens primarily because I think it, it is the cheapest it will ever cost you to get Agreed. up to that spot. Agreed. And, and so I think for that reason, it makes all the sense in the world to move up into the teens. And do 
there's a guy there at 13 named Nick Casario, who Patriots have already made a trade with leading into the draft. Late round trade that I didn't care for, but whatever. That's a different. I did not either. We know the phone lines from New England to Houston are working. Oh, yes. All the various forms of communication are working. DMs, however, Bill wants to do it. So I think there is an opportunity. And Casario has the fourth pick in the draft, third, fourth, and third, or third and 13th. So Casario will have already picked potentially, unless he trades down from there. So he's got his stud. Maybe he looks at it as his Texans team needs to diversify. He can move down to 21, add some other picks. Bill Belichick gets his potential Mac Jones impact elite wide receiver for the next five, six, seven years. I love the idea. I don't know why there isn't more support of that idea. Yeah, see, I am, I'm with you. I'm all in on the idea. I just think the biggest issue is will Belichick do it? I don't buy it. Why not? He, you, just he said it. Shown- you just said it, though. What does Bill value more than anything else? Value? Yes. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, economics. Yes. And, and economically, it makes sense. This is the time to move but on. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I just, don't I've never it. seen him don't move. Feel it. Do no, it. no, no. I'm. I don't fear it. I. I love it. I want him to do it. I just. I don't buy. Or I've. I've never seen Belichick willingly trade up for a skill position guy, right? But he has. He traded up for Daniel Graham 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, he traded up for Daniel Graham 20 years okay. ago. Okay. So it's in his blood. That didn't go great, but it didn't go horrifically. It was kind of a meh addition. True. Fair point. And I do believe Bill isn't – I don't – as much as other people maybe get – um scarred or burned from past decisions yeah i don't think bill has that i think bill says wow no, we got this guy really, short rated term. really well we need one of these this team is willing to trade for less than what we think in a normal year it would take i think he just looks at the the details of the actual the numbers decision. he uses it like a it's it's like a spreadsheet yes it's do the numbers benefit me yes, yes. okay let's make the move so why wouldn't he you're right. I don't think there's any reason he should. One you over. I, Let's go. I, Bill's trading I, up, baby. Here's the thing. Like, and, and the, the other thing too is, is I don't see a Nikhil Harry in this receiver class, right? So I don't even. If you're a Patriots fan, stop worrying about him picking the wrong one. Yeah. Because in my opinion, I think if you if he's going up and getting. I know you and I don't love the Ohio State receivers, but I think they're still both good. Mm-hmm. So if he's trading up and getting any of Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Okay. Like, c- cook it and book it, baby. I am in. Let's take that a step further. Do you think he values those guys relatively closely? Could he just pull a Mac Jones from a year ago? And sit and wait. Sit and wait and say, I kind of like all these guys. Kind of looks like we talked about mock drafts. Traylon Burks has been available in a lot of mock drafts. He's not in mine. In my opinion, I don't think any of those guys are available up to 20. Like, I think they're gone by 19. But maybe he looks at it differently. They run their numbers differently. If if, if one of them is available, if, if, if the draft is playing out and he sees that they are going, one of them, any of the five, are going to be available at 21, 
I don't think he moves. I think he stays put, and he's going to take whichever one falls to him because I think that's how he sees it. He probably has very similar – he definitely has them ranked, but I bet he has very similar grades on a lot of them. And so if Jamison Williams goes top 10, Garrett Wilson goes shortly thereafter, and the rest are all relatively similarly ranked, he'll just wait till 21 and see which one falls in his lap. See, this is where I would, I would feel like you a year ago at this time because in my opinion – not Belichick's opinion, my opinion – Agreed. London and Williams are on a different level than the rest. Yep. I think they are elite. The others I think are good. Maybe can be really good. I would just feel a lot better about either London or Williams. So I would be more aggressive if the opportunity presented itself. But I would also ask this question. Would you consider trading up for other opportunities? For example, the cornerback position, I think has the consensus has decided there are three top corners. You're not getting Sauce Gardner. Yes. You're in all likelihood not getting Derek Stingley Jr. His reality of how good he is has sunk back in. So now there is some debate, I guess, about McDuffie, the third best corner in the draft out of Washington. I personally would not rate McDuffie on a London Williams level in terms of my trade aggressiveness. Might I say move up three spots if he's at 18 and I really like him and I feel like I need a corner. Maybe, but I don't weigh his value like I do the two receivers. Where do you fall? I think there's I think there are two defensive backs Belichick would be willing to trade into the teams for. And I say defensive backs yep. because I mean defensive backs. Those two players would be Derek Stingley Jr. and Kyle Hamilton. Right. I think if Kyle Hamilton is available anywhere between thirteen and fifteen, I think Belichick would be hard pressed not to do what he can to trade up and draft him. And I understand that it's another safety and people are crazy. Kyle Hamilton is probably the most polished prospect in the draft. I don't know that he's necessarily the best, but he is without question, in my opinion, the most polished prospect in the draft and could be the best prospect in the draft. I understand that it's at a position that people don't necessarily give too much credence to, but Belichick himself has said you can win a football game on the defensive side of the ball at the safety position. Right. Ed Reed and is a perfect think, example, and I think the Chargers yeah. have never regretted having Derwin James on their team. 100% agree. And you also look at it, I think the NFL is starting to tell you that they value safety a little bit more too because they're starting to pay safeties more right. money. Like the top-end safeties are making buku to bucks well, compared to other positions. Look at the Jamal uh, Adams trade. What they give up? Yeah. Two first-round picks and then gave him $70 a massive contract. or something? Um, yep. Hamilton's an interesting guy because it feels like for whatever reason his stock has fallen. Like he was more popular, like almost a top five pick. He he should have been he should be a top he should be a top five pick, but I just think for whatever reason they're not valuing the safety position the same way. People just in general aren't. And and I think they are putting a premium on the pass rusher, tackle, and wide receiver positions, especially in this draft. And so I think that's going to make Kyle Hamilton more available to a team that can capitalize. Well, that's where I also think, because somewhere in here, we're going to get a couple examples of the media and teams not marrying up their values. 100%. I think Hamilton could be a guy that that happens with. Like, oh, mock drafts have him going 12 now. Oh, he went three? Like, oh, wow, he... He probably should. He's probably up there in terms of how well he plays his position. He's probably one of the better prospects in the draft. It's Kyler like kind of like um the the center, um, Lindenbaum out of Iowa. Lindenbaum, yeah. Like he's not all that exciting, but he's one of the best players at his position by far yes, in the draft. 
So, and I know you're starting to see him become a popular Bengals pick late in the first round there. Um, but I, And you even mentioned it the other day. When some surprises happen and those guys rise all of a sudden, players are going to fall. And that's just kind of how the process works. Okay, so let's do a ranking now. We've talked about all the prospects. We've done podcasts on most of the positions. We yep. throughout it all sort of evaluated what the Patriots have done throughout the course of the offseason, whether it's trading away Shaq Mason, letting Ted Karras go in free agency, <clears throat> letting go of Kyle Van Oy, Dante Hightower's unsigned, you signed Jabril Peppers, um, you, you trade for Parker. Like, all the moves they've made obviously tie into the mosaic, as Bill calls it, of team building. Mm-hmm. So the number one need, just blind need, forget the draft, Patriots' number one blind need on the eve of the draft is? Wide receiver. Interesting. I'm not sure I agree. Actually. Uh, can I can I take a guess where you are? Sure. The exact position on the opposite side of the football, and that would be corner. Yes, because while I don't believe they have a go-to wide receiver or an elite wide receiver, and I think they – they fail to match up or compare to the other really good teams in that area. Yep. They also fail to match up with those other really good teams in that area in terms of defending it. I don't believe they have two cornerbacks on the roster who should have the right to be called starters. They will start a couple agree. of them, but they shouldn't be called start. Like Malcolm Butler was out of football and is old. And you think yes. he's just coming off the streets where I watch him run around his cul-de-sac with no shirt on, on Instagram, and he is suddenly going to be your number one cornerback or Jalen Mills, who no one wanted as their number one cornerback last year. Hell, no one wanted him as their number two cornerback last year. He's going to be your number one corner. I don't think they have representative talent at the cornerback position. I don't. And so here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think it comes down to philosophy. In my opinion, with the defense you had last year, which included J.C. Jackson, by the way, you couldn't stop the Buffalo Bills True. once True. in two games. True. And so in my opinion, I think the only way you can compete with a team like that is if you can go gun for gun. Because right now, no matter what defensive player you add from this draft, you can't stop them. You're not going to stop them. Even if you were able to get Aiden Hutchinson, you're not going to stop him. Well, Josh heavy. Allen's still going to light you the f up. Well, sauce and heavy. so, in, I I don't I Eric don't think Steve. Sauce Gardner's. I think Stefan Diggs would put Sauce Gardner in his pocket and call it a day. What if I get like, Derek Stingley and I play him both ways? <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> but in and so I think from a philosophy standpoint, in my opinion, wide receiver is number one, specifically because the best way you're going to keep up with these teams is by playing equal to better offense. Okay, so give me your number two need, and then I'll give you mine. Uh, my number two need would be offensive tackle. Tackle? Yes. Not guard, think... which more people have been popular about because they feel like, oh, you let Karras go, you need a guard, Zion Johnson, you traded Shaq, blah, blah, blah. Now, I will say, there's been mock drafts that, um, what's the kid, Raynon? Oh, uh, Bernard Raymond. Raymond, whatever the hell his name is. Um, the old guy that I want no part of. Um, yep. Late riser, by the way. Yeah, late riser. Like, why do I want a developmental offensive lineman who's going to turn 25 soon? I understand. We're on the radio, so you can't just 
nod and shrug your shoulders. No, I know. That's why I said I understand. <laughs> you you probably you don't want a 25, soon to be 25 year old developing offensive. Okay. Um, so I would, you know, you went Devin Lloyd. I do think linebacker is a legitimate consideration. We've talked a lot about defensive line in terms of you could use a pass rusher opposite pass rusher. Judy. Yep. You could use a fellow running mate for Barmore on the inside. If Jordan Davis, for example, fell to you and you wanted to pick somebody like that on the inside. So for me personally, cornerback, I think you have to get a cornerback in the first two rounds. I, I really do. That's fair. I, like wide receiver, long-term, I need a wide receiver. But this year, I feel like I have competitive wide receiver play. Adding Parker to the mix of Bourne, and you still got Aguilar, Jacoby Meyer. Like, you yep. can field a core of wide receivers that people aren't going to laugh at. They're not going to be cowering about, but they're not going to laugh. They'll produce. It's not going to be amazing, but they'll produce. Right. Um, and then I would say offensive line is is similar to me and like, that's a two-year hole. That's a two-year void that needs filling. See, I think you complete, you can cure the offensive line pretty simply. It's a kick Isaiah Wynn into guard and draft a tackle. And, like, to me, that screams, okay, I got a good, a pretty good offensive line for the next three or four years. Agreed. I mean, you'd have to re-sign Wynn and there'd be some. Yeah, but I think I think in a second contract you could do that at cheaper money. Yeah, that could be a tough one because you bump him in. That's a little bit like moving Xander Bogarts to third. Well, you're playing third base now. You're not worth as much as you were at shortstop. You're playing left guard now, although I know Joe Tooney got – 80 million dollars or whatever the hell he got to go to Kansas City from New England but there's still that idea that the tackles are the premium positions guard isn't quite even though the gap is closing um yep. quite the same thing and I would also other than Trevor Penning who I love who who would you feel comfortable about in the first round as the offensive line tackle pick uh yeah it, it would the guy would be Penning um if it if it wasn't pending, I guess. Because I mean, all the good I guess, guys. What Tyler stuff. Smith? Tyler Smith's next in line. Like I'm presuming there's no crazy. Uh, or Belichick really likes Bernard Raymond, or they think Zion Johnson plays tackle. And he does have some experience there. I don't know that I want to play that game again. I don't either. I, but I, I don't feel great about that. Um, <clears throat> and, neither do I. I'm just telling you, it's a need. I, I, who they who they would draft there? I have no clue. But if you're asking me what the Patriots' second greatest need is after, I think, wide receiver, I think it's offensive tackle. So let me ask this question in a little bit of a different roundabout way. Okay. If what position if, – if they leave the first three rounds without a player at this position, you'll be like, they're porked. corner yeah I, you, and and i even think, you need one in the first three I, I even think the third round is a little low for my life i i think you need a first two round corner because i've talked myself into by the way i should just express this the kyler gordon kid out of washington oh okay poor man's trent mcduffie i, I think they yep. play with like a similar style like yep i would take him if you tell me they get a receiver a line let's say they get devin lloyd and then they get kyler gordon in the second round that's a win I feel pretty damn good about that. Like, I feel better I, about the defense. I think any combination of corner plus linebacker receiver tackle in the first two rounds is a win. Well, because I also think, you know, 
for example, the offensive line, even even if they don't get a tackle there, they've had hits and misses late in the draft in the offensive line, yep. but they've shown the ability, Michael Onwenu, Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney, like they can get a little bit middle or later round offensive linemen. Now, some of that was Dante Scarnecchia, and I don't love the idea that Agreed. he's not leading that charge. And oh, by the way, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia is. is. So as I continue to joke, you're going to have the when 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 Mac Jones throws an interception, you should have the best tackling offensive line in football because their coach is a defensive coordinator. They will know how to yes, tackle. You um, but I just cornerback, and I I know history tells me Bill always finds a corner, like not even a phrase. He always finds no. a corner, whether it's free agent trade or the draft Late round or one. undrafted or whatever. He always finds a corner. But normally, it's dangerous for it, me to just bank on that. It, well, it, I, I think most – the reason it's so dangerous is because normally when he finds that guy, he already has the other guy on his roster. Right. Right? So, like, Malcolm Butler was undrafted, but at the time, like, he didn't need to be the number one right away when he was undrafted. Right. He was a number three, made a big play in the Super Bowl, and then became the number one. He wasn't Again, really a number three. Jackson, he was below that, actually. Yeah. J.C. Jackson. Got was uh, undrafted, came on the roster, but Stefan Gilmore was here. He didn't need to be the number one guy. And then when it came to Belichick not having a guy waiting in the wings, he would go get them. He would go get Daryl uh, Revis and uh, he would go get Aqib Tlaib and he would go get Stefan Gilmore. He didn't hesitate to do that. And this year, he didn't re-sign J.C. Jackson. He didn't go get anybody and there's nobody in the wings. So... Okay, have we wrapped up Patriots needs, Patriots opportunities? Yes. Let's, let's throw one more thing out there before I want to do big picture, wrap it up kind of stuff. Okay. Um, regardless of round, as they say, All right. pick a Patriot. Somebody you say, he's going to be a Patriot. Mm. It's a tough one. I'm going to go Christian Harris, linebacker at Alabama. Okay. He's going to be a Patriot. I want to say my guy Troy Anderson, but I've seen him no, going earlier. Like, really? his stock is rising to, like, maybe he's a second-round pick. No. and So now I'm not overly in love with that. So I am going to go with our guy Jalen Armois Davis, Alabama. Ooh, the corner. Yes. Okay. And both Alabama. We both take Bama guys. Shocker, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I feel like that's the, the easiest, it's the safest, pick, smartest yeah. thing to do. Well, 100%. Listening to Jim Nagy yesterday talk about Bo Melton made me ponder Bo Melton as a possibility. Okay. Rutgers connection and that whole Shiano New Age pipeline again and, and some of that. Um, so I wouldn't rule So I have a question. I have a question for you. Yeah. So in my mock draft, and I know for a lot of other people, a player like Devontae Wyatt mm -hmm. has now fallen out of the first round and into the second round. Yep. Could Bill Belichick do basically exactly what he did last year? where he has Wyatt highly graded, but because of character concerns, he falls out of the first round. And then to start the second round makes a big trade up to go get him after drafting whoever in the first round. Absolutely. And that's really how Bill has maintained the perfect 28 trades up, 28 trades down balance over the yep. course of his career. Because yeah, there's the first, down first round trade downs, trade outs, but he balances that out with, okay, now I have extra assets and this guy i didn't think was going to slip he's less of a risk like gronk it was less of a yeah. risk at because like in my head 
it makes all the sense in the world that Belichick trades down a little bit from 21, let's say to uh, like uh, Kansas City at 29, yep. right? And at 29, George Pickens or Nicobe Dean are available. It's like, ooh, I like these guys. I have them very highly graded. Let's take them at 29. And then with those extra assets he got for trading down, he then utilizes them in the second round to trade up and get a guy who fell out of the first round like Devontae Wyatt. And, I mean, then we'll get into the weeds, but because everybody has the, where does it start? 15 to 60, 20 to 80, whatever the meat of this draft is. And, and Jim Nagy thinks it goes even deeper because he was talking about how <clears> – <throat> When they started their senior bowl scouting process, they normally start at about 500 guys they're considering. This year it was yep. 700 plus that were wow. senior bowl worthy of consideration. So there's like an extra 200 guys, like an extra. Yeah, 40%. I, I do think I do think the idea that this class is deep is actually kind of true. Now that I've, you know, having actually done all this research up to this point now, it's like there's a lot of guys that, I wouldn't hate taking in the first round that are absolutely going to be available in the second round. Right. right. Like they and and I'm noticing that like I don't uh, I don't think the the top end talent is as strong as a draft like last year. But I think overall the the quantity of quality players is more than normal. Quantity I had to make sure I quality. I nailed that. You nailed it's that. The quantity uh, of quality players. Billy Madison. Um now I want to ask you that quality players, the best player. I said it earlier. Good chance. All pro comes from this draft. Good chance. Maybe a hall of famer comes from this draft. The best player in the 2022 NFL draft will be Derek Stingley jr. Ooh. Ooh. I just, I think this guy's, I think this guy's freaking awesome. Like uh, we talked about it this morning on the Greg Hill show that that Wiggy would love to see Belichick trade up and get Derek Stingley. And I said, if in any way, shape, or form, Belichick somehow ends up with Derek Stingley Jr. on the roster, Patriots fans should be dancing naked in the street because that kid, in my opinion, might be the best prospect in the draft. I'd prefer that not to happen because I don't think Patriots fans are... It's a turn of phrase, Andy. It's a a figure of speech. Especially, they're all pale. It's been winter for a long time. They don't have tans. Hairy. Yeah, they're all fat. They haven't shaved. They're hairy. They haven't worked out. They're out of all yep. that. No. Um, I think I just got to stick with my guy, Jameson Williams. Like, I think he. Yeah. You got to ride it at this point. Jim Nagy both emboldened me and scared me by comparing <laughs> him to Randy Moss. Because now I feel like the hype is getting a little out of control. Too high. And it's like yeah. everybody now thinks Jameson Williams has to be a combination of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Randy Moss. And I'm like. <laughs> Let's tone it down. It'd be kind of hard to live up to that, but I do think he's going to be an all pro caliber receiver, an elite receiver. And now, where he lands, I may change my mind because I think that could derail some of that. If he, for example, if he, for whatever reason, goes six to Carolina, we'll have my doubts because they obviously do not have a quarterback and I don't know when they will be getting a quarterback. So I now have a question for you. Okay. Big picture question. Which player do you think will be the biggest surprise in the draft? Like, not necessarily where he gets drafted, but just as an NFL player. Like, he's maybe slated to be an okay player or not that great at all, and he will far exceed expectations. Hmm. Can I go with another one of my uh, receivers that uh, the boys hate, Shakir? Uh, Ooh, yes. What, what? Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir. I think he's going to be a phenomenal pro. I don't see any reason. You mentioned it earlier. You said the name Hunter Renfro. 
we find reasons to look past these guys sometimes other than he's pretty damn good at football. Like my Nicobe Dean thing. He can play football. Yep. I think uh, Shakir can play football. And in a league where receivers are all the rage and the Batman Robin conversation we have, I think is going to start to get had on receiving cores. Well, we have three really good receivers, but which one is really good? A standalone Juju Smith Schuster. He was really good next to Antonio Brown. Hasn't been as good since Antonio Brown left, right? Like yeah. now Deontay Johnson is proving I'm pretty damn good. So yes, I think Shakir, if he ends up in the right place as a number two slash three, could absolutely kick ass, take names and make plays. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, my guy is, we talk about all the rage with wide receivers. So why not think that a running back is going to far exceed expectations? I'm going with Brees Hall. Okay. Like I I, I I put him in my mock. I have him going in the first round, shockingly enough. Yep. I think that he will be the one running back to sneak in, and I think this kid can straight up play football. And he, like he has on, um, on all three downs the whole night. He's starting to become a popular Bills pick, I feel like. That is exactly who I have him going to at, what is it, 25? Yeah, 25. The, the interesting thing there is, A, they need a running back. My guy uh, Moss has not exactly Zach panned Moss. out. Um but it also feels a little bit like he's going to face high expectations because of the Clyde Edwards Alaire thing a couple of years ago. Like you land in the perfect place. Oh, it's going to be perfect. You should be able to yeah. do whatever you want because everything around you is so good. He's going to face high expectations. I feel like because of that. Yeah, but like I think this kid, I, I, I it almost may be blasphemous to say this. I think this kid has LT potential upside. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, I just. Uh, it's running back is just so overlooked at this point because you can find them off the scrap heap that people don't want to pay for them. Right. And I get that. But like, I think Brees Hall could be kind of special. I like it. Cause I mean, if you say LT in the same sentence, you're talking about one of the more productive, dynamic, unique running backs of all time. that's ever played the game. And in, in... like this kid can catch, he can run, he does it all. And it's, I, I was very impressed by the way he like the way I watched him on tape. Like he was just he, he kind of blew my expectations out of the water. Okay. So well hopefully the Patriots will blow our expectations and our hopes out of the water Thursday night or Friday or Saturday or in totality over the three days when they make all these collections. So. We do have a couple um announcements or promotions I want to talk about first and foremost. Please listen to myself and Mutt. And maybe Chris Scheim and maybe Fitzy and maybe Christian Fourier on the WEEI draft night coverage on the uh, Mothership 93.7. We will be talking from 7-ish post-Red Sox through midnight. Everything that happens with the NFL draft will be bringing you picks live via the Westwood One broadcast. We will be breaking down everything that happens, not only with the Patriots, but if Jamison Williams goes to the Jets or the Chiefs and, you know, how the rivals and the competition in the very competitive AFC East, AFC Conference altogether, we'll be breaking all of it down. We might even have a couple surprise guests uh, along the way to have fun. So please tune in 7 to midnight, WEEI, on Thursday. And then on Saturday, Saturday. 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., oh. filling in for the Ken and Curtis show, myself, and Rob Bradford, where I will coax Bradford into talking about as much draft as I physically can. Wow, baseball isn't boring, and nor is draft talk on a Saturday morning with Shime and Bradfo. I look. You're damn right. I'm getting draft. a call to the big leagues. That's the uh, the all goatee broadcast, not the all goat broadcast, <laughs> but the all goatee broadcast. Yes, exactly. And then finally, 
Uh, we will have some uh, big show announcements for here. The Off Day podcast, Shime and myself, uh, post-draft, moving into next week. I think I think it's all positive. I think it'll be fun. I think so. I think it'll dramatically change things, but maybe for the, no, 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 dare I say, definitively for the better. I would agree with you, Andy. I think people just don't worry. Don't fret. Nope. We're not going anywhere. Some things may change a little bit, but all change is sometimes a positive thing. And I think this time, this instance, very much so is. And, and what did Cheryl Crow say? A change will do you good. You're damn right. So maybe that'll be our new theme song. Who knows? But he's Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. It has been a pleasure over the last couple of months to get ready for the NFL draft from a Patriots perspective. But it is most certainly going to be a pleasure to put the preparation in the rear view and get to the damn draft. I said it damn before. Right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Don't believe any of those wet blankets that tell you there's no quarterbacks. There's no blue chippers. It's not. This is going to be an awesome NFL draft. There's going to be trades. There's going to be stunning picks. There's going to be Hall of Famers and busts. I guarantee it all. So sit back. It's in Vegas. There's like freaking water fountains going off in the background. Oh, I got my popcorn, baby. I'm ready to go. It is going to be awesome. He's Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. This has been another Off Day Podcast. We will talk to you next week. See ya. You've been listening to the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus